0: Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright Mark Antony Rossi. In this, our second year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host... Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, a poet, playwright, host of this show. This will be episode 147, Navigating World Travel in Literary Writing. I know it's a big, it's a big, long title. I wish I could make it shorter. But I, I kept thinking, what can I do with shorter? And it just never really covered everything we're trying to do on this particular show. Okay? All right. Like I mentioned, episode 147. So what we're going to be doing on this show is we're going to talk about, and there'll be different parts of it, okay? And I'll outline those in a a second. Um, We're going to talk about how oftentimes people, especially if they've done travel around the world, and I know I have extensively, uh, can use it to their advantage, you know, writing about uh, foreign locations, or maybe just sort of using it in their writing as sort of background or color, so to speak, or maybe even to demonstrate a point. And then, of course, sometimes you might even write just particularly about, hey, I'm in this city now, and I want to write about this experience, and blah, blah, blah. That's fine too. And then there'll be other times when folks kind of go overboard with it, and it, it becomes a, you know, a bit of a mess and, and, and almost a bore, which is horrible. You know, I, I've been to uh, Paris at least seven times, and I've never found it boring. But it could be if you overdo anything, you know. And we'll talk about that as well, how this can get out of hand as well. All right, so we're going to have uh, three sections here. The, the first one will be about what I call shading, where you just use a, a foreign location or just to travel, just to sort of like sprinkle it through something and leave it at that. And then we'll have the next section, detail, where it's a little more detailed in the work. It might even be about a particular thing, you know, my night in Paris, you know what I mean? I'm drunk in Amsterdam, you know. I partied out with in, in, in Copenhagen, which I did. Uh, you know that sort of thing you know I threw down in, in in Spain and you know had a great time in London, that sort of thing. so and then of course uh, the the last uh, chapter will be what I, I just simply title overboard. <laughs> we just go overboard and, and it becomes a real mess and and, and doesn't really help you it doesn't help the reader. Remember God no matter what you're doing in writing, you still have to maintain that connection. So you can make a connection in a piece of writing and then lose people later on when you start using like 75 different foreign terms or all these different languages that sound cool but, you know, the person's going, what the hell does this mean? When you start doing things like that, then you, then you lose that reader and you lose the audience for a moment there because you're off on another, another planet or maybe even another locale. The key thing here to all travel writing is simply this, okay, and we'll go from there. It can't be so foreign, so to speak, that you lose your connection with that reader. It, it can't be so that you know they had to be there, because if they had to be there, what the hell's the point of writing it then? Just tell them to go there, have a good day. But if you're trying to bring something to them, it has to be in language that they understand. It has to be in an explanation that that leads them there. And if that means you've got to do more to do so. Because it's not something they're normally used to hearing or or reading about. And then that's what you got to do. You can't be lazy about it. Oh, they should have been there. Yeah, maybe they should have been. But there wasn't. So if you want to continue on this uh, avenue of uh, exploration for your writing, well, you got to put a little bit more into it. Okay? Because God knows it's easy to travel. It's not so easy to write about it effectively. And that's what we're going to talk about on this show. That's what we're talking about by navigating it. All right? Now, shading. Many times, I know I have a lot of poems, and I'm a perfect example of somebody that that deliberately didn't put too much in there, okay? I always felt, and this is my own philosophy, it doesn't mean you have to adopt it, but I always felt that, and I spent five years exclusively throughout uh, Asia and Europe, I always felt that, yeah, I'm already writing in the place that doesn't have to mention it all the time. There's plenty of things we go on in our lives and our thoughts Maybe in a social atmosphere, uh, even even in, in a romantic sense that you know you don't need to mention that you know, you're in love with a girl and you're in Amsterdam, or, "Man, this girl is hot and, and you're in Copenhagen." You could just simply say that in a poem or a piece without even to mention that. It's not that important. You know, unless she does something that's exclusively Danish <laughs> or something that's incredibly Dutch, I don't know, maybe like wear wooden shoes or something, which is, doesn't happen that often really when you even as a tourist over there all right uh, it's not necessary and this is where you, you fall into a, I feel a, a, a trap of of overdoing it and then you lose people you might even lose yourself in the piece because you're like what was that about was it this about Amsterdam or was it about something else I don't remember yeah you, you get yourself confused after a while as well that's not a good thing for writing Writing needs to have focus so shading is an important thing. You just add a little bit of things here and there, and it's necessary sometimes for a particular piece because you feel that that location brought something to it that you thought it'd be a good idea to mention. And and that's pretty much it. You don't make it all about that piece. I have probably written about uh, I'd say over a thousand poems in thirty six years. Okay, and I'm definitely sure that at least at least two hundred of them, you know, were written while I was living in Europe and Asia. And it's probably only about maybe 50 or so. I don't know. Maybe 55. It's between 50 and 55. That actually mentions something of an international or foreign location or basis. So a quarter of even of those. And then, of course, if you look at it, uh, it not even 5% of everything I've ever written in my entire life. And when I left Europe, I mean, I literally spent an entire quarter of my life living there. Because I was young when I got there and I was still pretty young when I got back although it didn't feel like I was young any kind of travel especially in a long period of time you definitely feel that you aged and that and you definitely learn a lot more in many ways you appreciate where you came from it's one of the great things about travel is that you can appreciate where you went and you can damn sure appreciate when you get back going wow love being there but um, I'm glad I'm back that's how I used to feel whenever I leave uh, Paris great I was here great I'm leaving <laughs> It was great on both ends, <laughs> that's the truth. So I've done that, and that's what I recommend that that people do, on a, on a willful basis. You know, just mention it briefly when you feel it does have some weight to it, and then go about your business. Let it be that shading, let it be that flavor, you know, and and, and just leave it at that. You know, you don't have to go beyond that, you know, because if you if you do, uh, you you start losing not only focus for the piece. You might even lose the point of view of the direction that you originally had intended. Okay? Because when you're in another location, someplace wonderful from where you're used to before, it could be overwhelming. You know? I remember writing something about it It happened to me. I had a fight with a a fellow military officer from the other side in Spain, and we were in Madrid in a bar. And um, I wrote about it in a poem, and I even made fun of bullfighting. Cause that, cause I literally that's how I got the guy to, to, to try to take a swing at me. I was so I was so upset with his his ridiculousness. You know, I'm sure we both a little tanked as well too, and uh, I couldn't tell you, to be honest with you for this day, uh, who was right or who was wrong. And in terms of, you know, about the fight, you know, I felt that, you know, um, his attitude was a bit anti-American, and definitely he felt I was a bit the anti-Spain when when I said that kind of stuff. <laughs> But that's what people do when they're young and they you know, they drink and act silly. So that's just the way that is. And I mentioned that in the in the poem and its title, a little bit about it inside the body of the poem and kinda of went from there. And that that's probably as the most I wanted to do on something like that. Where it was necessary because it would really be weird if you wrote a poem and you mentioned something about you know, you think bullfighting is not exactly a manly sport, which is what I actually said. <laughs> Uh, Spain people are listening, sorry, but this was a long time ago, like 30 years ago. I'm a little older now, all right? But that's what I said, and I'm not going to get away from it. It's published, and that's out there. And um, it would look weird if you didn't mention that where you were at. It would look like, what the heck? Because, you know, they, they, they do bullfighting in Mexico, too, so you could be there as well. So it, it could be really confusing then. So, you know, I felt that it was necessary to, to mention, and that's why I did that. But it's not something you want to do on every poem. I mean, every poem or every piece has to be the name of the city. I've done that a few times, and it's okay. But you obviously, you when you put together, you know, either a collection of um, of poems or pieces in, in uh, maybe a, a spread out for a magazine, or possibly even in a small collection like a chapbook or just a, a full book. That's when it starts becoming an issue, which we'll talk about later in the show. You don't want to go that far in what you're doing. And if you have gone that far in your writing, then you want to do whatever you can to space those things out because if you don't shade and, and pull back you know enough, you know it does it does get overwhelming to everybody because remember, they're reading this stuff in the space of a few minutes where you could have been doing this over the, the span of years. I could literally give you like 50 poems that literally covers about like 15 countries. And that could be very overwhelming to read and very dizzying to try to get the heck what's going on. Eventually, you just get that travel headache. Ugh. I'm glad he went around the world and God bless him, but I don't know what the hell's going on in this thing. It's not a good thing for a reader to have. So whenever you do that, you definitely want to make sure that you're pulling in the reins and you're not getting carried away because it's easy to do so. Uh, it's easy because it can be very overwhelming. you know. And I, I remember writing a lot in Germany. And ironically, um, I don't have as much things that even r- refer to Germany. Very few. I think I have like four or five like pieces. Almost everything else I wrote in Germany, you won't even know I wrote it in Germany. Because it wasn't about Germany. It wasn't necessary. You know? And ironically, when I think about it, I actually went to Paris more than I went to Frankfurt. And I lived in Germany for five years. Uh, how weird how that all works out but Paris kind of hard city to stay away from especially on an artistic level which most of my visits were although one was official and one was a dating situation uh, which I can comfortably tell you uh, was not artistic in nature okay so that's how you want to handle that first part of this show the shading You you want to make sure that and it's okay to overwrite in that piece and then later on, like when you rewrite it, you know, scan out whatever you think is kind of going overboard. Because that's what you want to do. You want to keep it to where it has a certain balance. You know, it, it, it lends the, 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 the flavor or it lends the color or lends maybe even some atmosphere. I mean, that's what I did on that poem on, on the whole Madrid thing because otherwise it wouldn't even make a lot of sense if I didn't do that. Um, and, and it helps in that way. But you you definitely still have to control yourself when you're doing that. It, it's sort of like people who play the guitar, you know. I don't care what kind of band you are, but uh, you know, if every damn song you're blazing through it, you know, eventually people are going to say, I, "I I hear some similarities." Yeah, it's a certain style. God bless the guy, but you know, this is song number ten on the CD, and it sounds like song number seven and song number five. So, even in the musical complication of things, you you want to be able to to balance out and to space out, and, and and to set different tones. And that's the same thing you want to do with, with travel writing. It, it can't be all of it about it. Now, I've seen somebody that did a travel book of, of poems, and one of my friends had helped publish that in his company. That young man did a great job on that. But it, it's a very difficult thing to do. He did it in the sense that he wanted to show, in his travels, the, uh, the evolution of his uh, thought, and and his maturity as a young man. So he did it more along that line than he did about look at me, I'm cool over here, and look at this, and look at that, and blah, blah, blah. Because that's when it gets a little ridiculous and and a little bit, you know, show me this and show me that, and eventually that that gets old. He was smart enough to do it in in a much more, uh, I thought, mature and and clever and, and sophisticated fashion, which means that the majority of his work was still travel related, but he made it more than that. And if you could do that, that's different. But he was a young man going through all those things. So it, it, that sort of thing worked for him. It's not going to work for everybody. Obviously, if you're retired and you're doing all this, you know, you're know, you not really going to get that same thing out of there. Yeah, you might learn some more stuff about the world, but Grant Flanke, you're not going to probably learn a whole lot about yourself. That person did, so it worked out that way. It's one of those rare occurrences where you're going to see that because normally I would have counseled the person. You don't think that's a little too much? you know, uh, travel stuff in here, like 60 poems, wow, but uh, he pulled it off, it's not an easy thing to do, but normally, I don't recommend it, now, the the second part of all this is, is the detail, right? second chapter on this whole thing, detail, that's when you're literally feeling that you have to, you know, do the whole piece, no matter what it is, play, or Essay, or fiction, poem, whatever it is about that. It could be like you know I'm traveling in, you know Copenhagen, or you know I met this cool girl in Amsterdam, which which I did. But believe it or not, I never wrote a poem about her. I don't know. Maybe she wasn't that cool after all. <laughs> you got me. But um, that would be that would be one where it's important to have a lot more elements on a geographical, even a cultural basis. Because once you've given it a title along that line, you're almost like stuck, if you want to call it, that you have to follow through now and, and add more. So that's what the detail core comes in. And that's necessary to do. But again, I mean, unless you're literally writing a book about travel, all in a nonfiction book, and you have to get all these details, you, want, you don't want to be doing 10 or 15 pieces like this. That's a, that's a little bit too much. Unless you're trying to do something in particular in that piece, each one you're doing, you know what I mean? Um, this is a piece about me visiting artwork in Amsterdam. This piece about me visiting artwork in, in Denmark. And this is piece about me in London, you know, which I actually did all those things, but I just never wrote about it in that regard. Took photographs, got memories, happy, probably referred to it now and then. Most of the times you won't even realize it. Then it's different, and you have to do that, and you're obligated to do that. And you're also obligated to do it in a way that you're getting across what you're having to say to this audience. Remember, you're talking to somebody, a good chance that the reader of that piece probably hasn't been to that city before. Oh yeah, you're going to get some that have, but the majority are not. So you can't flip off some some Dutch language word or, or some Danish word or some British term or even some British slang. There's a lot of that too. Okay, I remember when I was in London one time, and the woman's like, "Yeah, there's a telly," because I'm asking a few questions. They're like, "There's a telly in the room," and I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait! You need to tell Telly to get the hell out of my room because I'm about to go up there and get the nap, okay? Because I got a lot of stuff to do today." And she's like, "No, no, that means television." I'm like, "Oh, okay, all right." So they have a lot of different words there in England. Okay, you, you, you most people don't know they call an apartment there a flat. Okay, they drive on a different side of the road as America. I won't call it the wrong side because that that would be disrespectful. They probably come over here and think this is the wrong side. Maybe to them it is. You got me. So they have a lot of different words over there. For you to use those words and sprinkle them throughout the piece, thinking that we're all going to understand, I I have no idea. You know what I mean? I took her to my flat and gave her a kiss. If you don't know what the hell that word means, you have no idea what even happened in that sentence. A flat? What? Kissed her where? Don't make any sense. You know? Telly was in the room with me and we had a great time learning about London. Really? D- d- some dude you met named Telly you brought him up to your hotel room so you guys could talk about London? How lovely. No, no, that's television. See? So th- you wouldn't be able to understand half these words if you didn't actually give some sort of explanation or some kind of context to help you. And of course it's worse when you give a, an entirely foreign word that nobody even knows what they're talking about. Okay? You might even have, you might even be writing a story that somebody could read and say yeah I've been to Amsterdam before that's great but I don't even know half the damn words this guy's saying being there is not the same thing as knowing the language or knowing every cultural thing that's happening over there so it's important that you actually encounter that piece almost like you are putting together a how-to you know like one of those how-to articles almost you have to have that kind of attitude and that approach to it with the understanding that, when you reread it again, that paragraph, that phrase, that sentence, that whole that whole darn piece, are they going to catch what I'm saying? Did I explain it enough? Did I have enough context? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's really important because otherwise the entire piece literally goes over somebody's head, or they don't understand what you're trying to accomplish, uh, because you you got too inside, as they say. You know, you can't get too inside the beltware. If you know anything about politics or even going in Washington, D.C., they have a whole lot of language themselves over there. So that's what they mean by inside the beltway. That, that, that language or that, you know, that phrasing that only those folks would know. So you got to be careful as a writer because your job is to connect. Remember, connect. I say this like every show. It's probably going to bore somebody one day. He keeps saying connect. Well, too bad. A lot of these shows, they are about making some kind of connection. And this is damn sure one of them. Because you cannot run around the world, okay, being being, being uh, educated through the culture experience and, and through the travel and all of that, and then somehow fall apart when you're trying to relate in, in a piece because you, you got you got carried away, you know? I mean, sometimes you, you get somebody that writes something about Paris, I mean, and, I, and I've done it before, but all they're talking about is the Eiffel Tower, you know, and nothing else. That happens sometimes with folks. I mean I, I I wouldn't blame a French person saying, uh, you know, we have more there than that. You realize that, right? Uh, I know that. I've been there seven times, but you know, it's easy to write something and you think that's the only thing that's there. Uh now the French are gonna get annoyed about lots of things, especially if you're an American, okay? But if they get annoyed about that, uh, they have a point. Okay? And I'm not always in the in, in the big agreement with, with French attitudes on things. That would be a a perfect point to make. Those Americans, they come here and all they do is hang out at the Eiffel Tower, smoke cigarettes, and drink beer. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, there's more to it than that. No doubt about it. Okay? And a little more sensitive about that. Does this mean that when you're in Paris, that you need to now broaden your scope of your peace or you're going to piss off some French person? No, it doesn't. If you got to piss them off, you got to piss them off. Oh well. It happens. You could do nothing and piss them off, so don't worry about it. But if you could add something more, it adds more flavor, especially if you're talking about the city of Paris. Because quite frankly, if you're just talking about the Eiffel Tower, just talk about the Eiffel Tower then. Figure out a way to title it that way and give it that direction. Then you don't have to worry about talking anything else. But if you say Paris and then all you're talking about is the Eiffel Tower. Well, they have the right to be annoyed. Hell, I'm even annoyed at this point. Then, so yeah, so that's that's what the scope is all about, and that's what detail would be all about. That would be a detail that would be important, because there's a whole lot more there than just that. It really is uh, the experience of, you know, eating at a eating a dinner there, or, or having a lunch there, or checking out all the different parts of the city. You know, there was a wonderful uh, perfume perfume factory store over there that really has some great things you learn about. I really like that a lot. Just, there's just a lot of wonderful things there and that you can definitely enjoy. Of course, you can go to the Louvre and literally write 10 articles on the Louvre and not even come close to everything that's there. And they had the pyramid after I got there. They, they did that years later because I was there in the 80s. So there's a lot you could do right there just with that. you know. And I don't know. Maybe somebody could say, Oh, my God, he's an American. All he's talking about is the Louvre. Well, that actually... Can, can be contained in a piece or maybe even needs more. There's a whole lot more to the Louvre than just the Eiffel Tower by itself. It really it's just a, a you know a steel structure and it's really tall. that's it. The Louvre is something else. It has thousands of paintings, all kinds of wonderful things. that's where Mona Lisa is. There are all kinds of great things going on over there. They're always doing something and it's and you also visit on an international basis so many different people. You know, gazing in and wonder at everything that's going on. So it's really like the United Nations of Art, so to speak. It's an incredible place. And um, only, only uh, uh, France probably could have a place like that. Because they, they know how to do it right. I, I give them that. And yeah, you could do everything on that if you had to. And I don't think anyone could be annoyed. But that's just another of, of many, many wonderful things that are there. Detail. Important. Uh, because in the end, I don't really think that a person should get from your piece the so-called tourist highlights or the so-called stereotypes. You know what I mean? Uh, windmill for Holland, uh, Eiffel Tower for for France, uh, Rome uh, uh, that has the Colosseum, or maybe the David dude naked there. Um, you know, uh, London has the uh, you know the London Bridge, or even the in, you know the Big Ben uh, clock. I mean, those would be the, what they call the stereotypical images or the tourist things that people would expect from you. You know, uh, you want to obviously, I think, both as a, a writer, uh, as an artist, so even as somebody who's a visitor, because quite frankly, I think, and you can call me wrong, I think there's a big difference between a tourist and a visitor because a visitor can look through more than just all the stuff that's being thrown at them and find more, find some meaning for themselves. I know I don't want to sound philosophical about travel, but I always felt that I should be trying to find something in that place that I can bring back to me that's more than just a, a stupid Big Ben, you know, a souvenir, you know, or, or, or some, some some dopey plastic Eiffel, Eiffel Tower or just some damn pair of wooden shoes or something. I mean, I should be able to bring more than that. In my memory, maybe in my writing, maybe even in just in my existence, inside my soul. I should be able to grab something from that. More than just a Dutch girl. (laughs) But nevertheless, you should be able to take something from that. And I think that when you go the tourist route, even if you do it by accident, you miss a lot of that. Because you're always just seeing the highlights so to speak or the stereotypes or the, the given images or what people already expect instead of just going in there and trying to learn something so you could find the unexpected. You know? Uh, lots of people don't realize in, in Copenhagen because they're looking at the Little Mermaid and they want to visit the Viking thing and they want to check out Tivoli, the, the wonderful uh, oldest uh, entertainment uh, place in, in the world, you know, amusement park. Uh, they don't, Realize because they haven't done a lot of more exploring that it's a place full with so many different dikes and so many different canals, so many different waterways, and how very interesting that can be. They even have a really cool ferry that brings you right over to Sweden for the afternoon. They can go hang out in Sweden for a little while and then come back. There's, there's a lot to think. I spent a lot of time in, in Copenhagen and I know this, and it's what I bring back because I went and did all these things. So, this way, it's just not about, yeah. um. I, I saw The Little Mermaid, and I'm glad I got the uh, postcard on it because uh, that postcard, it doesn't have it when The Little maid has some poop on it from a bird. It just shows The Little Mermaid, you know, nice without the poop. You know, I mean, that's what you're going to have. I mean, The Poop Little Mermaid. What the hell was the point of any of that? So, if you can do that, you can really do well in any kind of a detail of, of any kind of a piece that you would have. And, and Copenhagen is one hell of a city. Uh, to me, it I found it to be the most interesting city. And I'm an Italian. I love Rome. But in terms of everything that it can provide, uh, I really find that even its, it's social life, uh, its English-speaking, uh, a newspaper you can actually read in English. This is from an American-speaking, so that's why I'm saying this. And, and of course, the, the, the incredible amount of diversity of music that you can literally listen to a different form of music like every 20 minutes if you want because literally places are next to each other you can go from rock to reggae to metal to country even plus me when i heard american country in copenhagen i thought i was gonna lose my mind i'm like oh my god i can't believe i'm hearing that here it's just the, the experience was different i think i might not even paid attention more than when i was listening to it in america going oh i don't know if i can take this thing man i know your dog died i'm sorry but i don't really care okay in copenhagen i'm like oh man, the dog died, that's deep, that's incredible. So it's amazing how when you take yourself out of your atmosphere, how sometimes things come alive more that you didn't appreciate before, you know? I mean, I know it sounds weird, but uh, you know, I, I like Garth Brooks more in Copenhagen than I liked it in, in Georgia. What can I tell you? <laughs> that's just the truth. But it just shows you what that experience can do for you, because you can bring it inside yourself, make it your own. You can't have a unique experience unless you're trying to do that and you can have it in terms of life by sucking in all you can lo- you can do and you could do it from the writing because then from there you can understand this now remember one thing in terms of writing technique you're not having to actually write this piece while you're there you could write notes about it but you don't have to finish it or, or, or even completely form it out. That could come later when you're in some place else or even when you're back home. As long as you're living and learning everything that's going on with there, you're going to carry it with you. You don't have to actually be right there to do that. Now it's great if you can, but it might not always happen. You might be busy doing all kinds of other things. You know, sometimes it's more important to live and then write. Not just, you know, write and then live later. Sometimes it's better to do the reverse. So you get some basic notes down, on some things that you know strike you, and then you can kind of go from there. You might have a, a better, a better feeling about everything, a better worldview about what's happens. It might come out to be that much stronger. So keep that in mind, so you don't stress yourself out thinking you got to do that. Okay. Now the last thing here is what I call the overboard section. This happens so much that it's, it definitely can annoy me at times. Now. When, when people put in all that tourist stuff in their writing, I don't really think that's overboard. I just think that's bad taste. And it's just bad uh, a bad judgment to do that. You know? Uh, nothing against the French or France or Paris or even the Eiffel Tower. But I don't really think we need another Eiffel Tower poem. Not maybe for another four or 500 years, okay? I think we got it. I really do. I don't think there's anything more that you can actually say unless somehow... You climbed up there, you took a piss on the crowd, and then put on your parachute and then glided down while you were naked. Maybe that's something you could do that hasn't been done before that you could write about uh, after you get out of jail for about a year, okay? But other than that, I don't really think there's nothing more new that you could talk about or done. We've all done it already, okay? We all kissed a girl over there. We all had a couple beers over there. We all had some kind of a, a strange conversation or argument with somebody from France who... Uh, by the way, in France they're not exactly the most polite, so they're, they're not even diplomatic about it. I mean, you got to say God bless them. At least they're honest. <laughs> but we all had these sort of things, okay? Ask the cop for the direction. He looks like you're like you're from another planet. Are you nuts? Get away from me! <laughs> call call me when you see a crime or something. You know. So uh, we all had that. There's not too much more you can do. That's new, really. But overboard is when when you have folks that. They literally, and I, I I hate to say it this way, but it's the only way I can say it. They litter <laughs> their work with so many different foreign street names and, and locations and, and practices and cultural this and cultural that, that literally it becomes an entire minefield of stuff that nobody really understands. You know? Oftentimes I, I see people put in pieces that's completely foreign in another language. I don't know if if, if you feel that you should maybe put in parentheses this is what this means in English or not. I mean, God knows it would help but I would hope then and this is where it becomes a failing and therefore overboard that if they don't give me the clue with the English in parentheses what the hell this just said in another language then how about at least you give me some idea in the body of the work and a lot of times it's someplace else so what does this mean to that? How is the relationship to that? I don't understand. Is this the name of a street? Is this the name of a girl? Is this a famous piece that I'm I'm just not aware of? Is this some obscure historical thing that happened in a town I never heard of before? Give me a break. Give me a clue. Tell me something. That's what your job is. And you're not making a connection if I'm Googling like every other word and every other line. Okay, I got that. Alright, now, yeah, okay, maybe. But then what about this? I mean, come on. It's not the crossword. Okay, I don't have to be a detective. I'm just supposed to be a reader. And remember, if you frustrate your reader, now they remember you later on when you have a book coming out and they're like, oh, that was that person that did this, that, and whatever. I I, I didn't even know how handle this. I had to go through a universal translator to get to understand half of what the hell you're saying. That's never a good thing, okay? You don't want to actually get to that point because once you do, you, you lose people. And you lose people because you've lost focus of that piece, okay? You can't make it international because you jam in a million international things. That's not international. That's a mess, okay? International is, you know, I'm eating a horse steak in Belgium, and this is why, because horse steak is pretty common there. I went over to this city, I did that, I did that. That's good detail, and that gives you context, that gives you information, that gives you something that will let people know. Because a lot of people don't know how, how diverse and how complex that even Belgium can be. You know, it, It's actually one of the more, more uh, I, I feel, complicated places to go. You, I think that in many instances you've got to spend more time there to sort of get the full flavor of, of the whole place, and that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, it's it literally divided in two languages as well, so it, it's not the easiest thing. So whenever you, whenever you do that, you have to keep that in mind. So this way, you have an audience member that at least can follow along what you're doing. They don't have to be there to understand what you're saying or what you've experienced or what you've seen. But you have to do your best to sort of make them feel that that's the case. Because that's what your job is as a writer. And you have to also make sure that when you're doing it, you are still being interesting you are still being entertaining you are still being literary you're not making it just into some like travel log book or something cuz that to me that really isn't art then when when people go that route it's another version of bone overboard when they goes so travel loggy that it's like i don't know i just made that word up travel loggy but i think you understand what i'm saying it it, it gets it gets too much about the travel and the location and not enough about the understanding of what you got out of it. Remember, you're the writer. This is supposed to be from your point of view. If I wanted the rundown, you know, on London or, or Rome or something, I could get that off of Google. I can get that off of Wikipedia. I could go to one of those simple travel books that you get in the bookstore that'll literally give me the whole, you know, I guess you could say, uh, you know, uh, abbreviated version of everything that's going on. So why would I need to read yours? I'm supposed to be reading something that you're adding that's something I've never seen before. They haven't read before. They haven't considered before. I haven't heard before. That's really what you're supposed to be your your job when you're doing this international writing. So that means, and this is going to happen, that means if you're doing what I'm suggesting that you should do and you're being honest about it, you could travel to seven locations, okay, over the course of a year. And maybe you only have, have like two or three of them that you feel that you need to write about. Because the other ones just might not have had that kind of impact on you. Or maybe it's taken you a while to sort it out, what you just experienced. You know, it's not an easy thing. I remember going to Dachau, the uh, first concentration camp in the the lower part of Germany, in the Bavarian part. And how rough of an experience that was for me, to see it, to smell it, because you can actually be in the barracks and smell it. Uh, to see all the various groups that they had killed there. I mean, there was like 15 different groups. Everybody from Protestant ministers to Jehovah Witnesses to homosexuals. That was, a gr- that was a place that wasn't just for killing Jews. They were killing just about everybody they didn't like or they didn't agree with. So they had a long, long list. And then seeing the films. The films unedited with people dying in, in baramic chamber, chambers. Using them for test experiments for, for the German Air Force. Purposely killing people, people dying on the wires trying to get across the you know the uh the wall, unbelievable stuff. It wasn't even something that I could write at that moment. In fact, I didn't even write things about it until like years later. I just couldn't. It was just I couldn't because when I kept trying to do something, I couldn't figure out how do I do it justice, how do I do it that's something that's different and and real, how do I uh. How I put it in in, in in such a way that somebody can get something uh, appreciative out of it, something educational out of it without pandering to anything. Uh, how can I get something that, that sounded like a, a memorial uh, without um, just getting so historic that, you know, you could just, again, you could just read this up in an encyclopedia someplace. So it took quite some time. Some places can be like that way for you and I understand that and that's okay. You don't have to write about everything you see or everything you experience out there that's what sometimes i think when people travel they almost feel that they have to do this if you've taken in enough and you've seen a great deal of where you travel at it's going to be a part of you for a long time and you can access it when you need to when the time is right to write something about it so don't be in a rush don't have to go overboard throw everything including the you know the dutch and sink in there. Uh, because somehow you're gonna forget this. You, you're not gonna forget this. You're only gonna forget it if you just go see two windmills and then go smoke some pot at a cafe or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll probably forget that. <laughs> but if you actually went through the whole place, checking out the canal, checking out the the river boats, and checking out all the different uh, uh, cafes and restaurants and and, and, and museums and and, and and the tulips, especially when they're blooming, how cool these are. You know, and the and the windmills. I'm not saying ignore these things. I'm saying just make it more than just a windmill. Uh, that's all going to stay with you, and, and you're going to be able to get something interesting and unique out of it. That's your take, and it's what you need to do. It has to be not about Holland, but about Jim's take on Holland. That's how you make it unique. That's how you not go overboard. And, and if you could do that in such a way, people are going to like. Wow. That is that is really interesting. That is really informative. Wow, that that's that's a revelation on more than what I had thought because remember people are going to think of a lot of these places on a surface manner, you know? They're going to think about it in you know, like a little travel brochure way. you know? I'm sorry to say that, and I men- I mentioned this to my Dutch friends and they laughed. They go, "Yeah, we know." I go, "I said, listen, you can make fun of us all day long about the windmills and how we're a bunch of like narrow-minded tourists." But I go. I haven't found a damn brochure yet from Holland that didn't have a windmill on it. So you're pushing the windmills, okay? Don't don't say I'm pushing them. You're pushing them. They laugh, but they acknowledge that's the truth. So, and you know, I think they do that because that's their signature, to to where they're from. And and there's nothing wrong with that. You just want to go beyond that. And yeah, beyond the wooden shoes, by the way, too. Okay, because you know they they're kind of silly. I mean. I know they think they're great over there, but I, I just, I never was not, never been fascinated with them. Really, no. It's like just put those down, please. All right, folks, that is it for this show. Uh, definitely, uh, keep in mind we have so so many ones coming up here ahead. Let's uh, review that uh, quickly so you can kind of get an idea. Uh, the the next one we're gonna do is, is gonna be sort of a a, a more more involved show where it has literally three subjects in one show um it'll be uh guilt pride and uh, perfection so all the issues that go with that some of the things we deal with as people along the lines of the human condition and and how that might affect us on on our values uh, about what we do and maybe even how we write and how we see the world so it's going to be very interesting that'll be coming up uh towards the uh, uh end of the uh, the week Uh, of this week here and then uh, you got um, to complete the toying with tangent series we're going to be doing one on fantasy writing fantasy and writing so we're going to be talking about um, I think we're going to be talking about uh, Tolkien and uh, C.S. Lewis Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Robert Louis Stevenson uh, you know we're gonna definitely talk about the you know Alice in Wonderland. It's one of the fantasy series uh, that I always felt that was uh, many instances either misread, or we take so many things and so many liberties from it that it needs to have a better, a better scope on, on what was going on there. We're gonna talk about that. You're gonna find it a uh, pretty pretty darn interesting. You know, we're gonna end the month with um, keeping a journal. So we're gonna learn about how it's something you might want to consider to do. Um, I really recommend it and we're going to have the show about this uh, on, on people that, that don't because you know if you're already keeping a journal I'm not really sure what, what it's going to add to your journal experience but if you haven't maybe it's something you might want to consider because it's a good way to keep notes without having to feel you're keeping notes because sometimes there's nothing more stressful than doing something that you know you, know you got to do on a repeated basis and it becomes you know boring almost or, or it just becomes a chore you know and, and remember with writing whenever things become mature that's when you have to change your um your ritual so this way your attitude will change because it'll hurt you and what you're trying to do and it maybe even bring about an early onset of writings block so journaling could be a way to get out of that okay and then uh, it'll be the last show of the month it's a really complicated one we're going to talk about identity uh integrity and the creative cohesion in the art so it's going to be a, a great deal about integrity and identity, and we're going to talk about that in in a much more detailed fashion. I think you're going to find that very interesting, and I think illuminating because it's going to really go through all the different areas of of identity, literally from using a pen name to literally changing your 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 gender. That's that's literally the 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 gamut we're going to go through on identity there, all the good and all the bad from all that, and how that affects the arts. Okay, so I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that one myself every so often I I pick one that I'm you know fond with but that would definitely be uh, one of mine okay and don't forget next month uh and I'll I'll announce it later in the month when I figure out the date uh but we're going to be doing a sequel to uh the classic um spotlight series on Edgar Allan Poe we're going to do another series another hour or so about him I am not going to for the most part do too much recapping from the first one you're going to have to just listen to that then if you wanted to hear some of that it only only, very, very briefly. We're going to go to some of the new things that we've learned about him, uh, some of the more interesting theories about his death, uh, some more things about his life in Baltimore, and we're going to go through much more detail about some of the average living moments of Edgar Allan Poe from some of the correspondence that we can learn and, and read about. And, and you'll be very, very fascinated by that because... He comes across from these letters, far less a dreary, dark individual than than uh, a, 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 in many ways a pretty average kind of guy in, in his social, you know, connections with people. You'll you'll see some similarities to some of the things you know about him, sure, but you'll also find some of the very everyday things about him are, you know, what you don't expect, and it give you another dimension about the guy. And it might even help illuminate you a little bit on some of the other things he's written. We'll talk about some of the other pieces that he wrote that we didn't talk about in the first one. So it'll be a a, a terribly unique episode and it'll be the last one I do on him because I don't really know I can go on to a third end, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, what am going to be doing? Somebody doing a seance to talk to him in the spirit world? No, that, that's, I think that's all I can do on him. But it'll be interesting, and I'm, I'm looking definitely looking forward to that, especially since I got a feeling we're not going to have a traditional Halloween in October because of COVID. So let's try to have our own fun with uh, Edgar Allan Poe and, and a little bit of scariness and a little bit of uh, literature. All right, folks, until next time, God bless. This is Mark Anthony Rossi, Strength to be Human and that was navigating the world travel and literary writing episode 147 good night thank you for listening follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com